0: So, so when I turned on like my PC earlier, like, my, like, my audio was really muted, and I was like, what's going on? And it turns out that I was like charging my PS5 controller, and my computer thought that like, this was a, um, a microphone, a microphone. <laughs> so it plugged this into my speaker, Like I was listening to some audio, and it was really tinny and far away, and it was coming from the speaker on a PS5 controller.
1: <laughs> Who thought that it would be a good idea to make it default so that the speaker and microphone were on, and then... Just be like, oh, I walked in and my kid was playing Destruction All-Stars and there's just swearing coming out of his controller.
0: <laughs> the amount of stories I've heard about... Yeah, I can just hear a guy masturbating down his microphone <laughs> on his PS5. He
1: didn't turn his
0: microphone on. So people don't know if you buy a PS5, um, your microphone is always on all of the time by default.
1: And you can obviously change that default and just, like, mm-hmm. mute the... There's a little mute button there that's really easy to press, but, like, the fact that there's so many stories of just people being... Why is my child hearing these horrible noises come out of their controller while playing Fortnite?
0: Nothing will ever be when, um, like, burnout on the Xbox 360 automatically connected <laughs> to Connect, And every time you, like, knock someone off the road or, like, um, lapped them, it would take a picture. So all that would happen is people would just put it next to their balls. So every time you took them out, you get a picture of their balls.
1: So hello and welcome to the Wiki Weekdays podcast oh god that's a that's like a turn to begin with but i, I was going to
0: start with that cause that was a fun story
1: <laughs> i am your host for the week lucas holland and i am joined as always by carl smallwood hello and yeah we just during the wiki week Days podcast we fly through two wikis sometimes and sometimes we take way too long to go through two wikis we do and, yes you know We just bring up whatever topics we'd like to talk about that week. Mm -hmm. And I will say as well that um, I had a little while ago mentioned on my stream of just like there's a feature on Spotify where it asks you like a question about the episode every week. So this is, you know, aimed towards Spotify listeners listening through the audio version. And um, it asks like, what did you think of the the episode this week? But you can change that question. And And we always ask the question which wiki won this week.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: now Spotify will ask you in a poll after you've listened to the episode, which wiki won this week.
0: Okay. because that be I highly recommend that everyone like, answer that poll as honestly as you can. Because maybe we can bring it up in the subsequent episode and like discover who won. Maybe keep a running tally of yeah. whose wikis have won.
1: So it might be a thing of like maybe in the future we can get something run on like, the community tab and add up all the Mm-hmm. the votes and stuff but for now at very least spotify should actually be getting an answer for which wiki won this week for us
0: okay that's good we actually to be able to quantify the results so instead yeah. of just guessing
1: if you're on spotify give that poll a little uh nudge and if you're just on any podcast service go give us a rating it helps with discoverability and everything but yeah mm-hmm. Carl. without further ado what wiki have you brought for this competition this week
0: Well, my wiki is one that's uh, a little thin in terms of content, but I think is fat in terms of discussion. And it is the wiki entry on Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And are you familiar at all with the book series Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? So, not Goosebumps TM. It's not Goosebumps, no. This is an entirely different thing. It's similar. It is horror for... Young adults, teenagers. Was this the not Goosebumps
1: show that was on Nickelodeon?
0: I think that was. Are you scared of the dark?
1: That ah, was that one? Yeah, there was, was a lot, lot of, shows of about, this ilk in the nineties. Yeah,
0: which is what I thought we could talk. Like, use it as a jumping off point to just talk about the idea of like teenage horror mm-hmm. and like you know young adult literature centering around like, the horror themes because like I think it's one of the like, scary stories. To tell in the dark is similar to Goosebumps, but it's way more metal.
2: Right. And okay.
0: you'll know why when I go through the dis- like you know, go through the description of it right. here on Wikipedia. I As just always a link to our wiki oh sorry.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, the, the the links to the wikis are always uh, down below, but I just wanted to tell you where my train of thought went right now. Okay. So I went, okay, you said like teenage fiction, then I immediately mm-hmm. went to how long is it gonna take for before I bring up Twilight? And then I thought about Fifty Shades of Grey, and then after Fifty Shades of Grey came into my head, I noticed the Fifty Shades of Grey that are sitting ten point like ten and a quarter inches long on your shelf right behind you. Oh, have you noticed have you noticed my Wiggler. Okay, so I guess we can talk. This is my
2: Wiggler.
0: We're probably wondering what this is. Like Lucas, um, this is a present for you. Actually, the, uh, the Pokemon Wiggler. He's <laughs> a Pokemon. They released a ten and a quarter inch long plush for Wiggler, and I don't know why everyone seems to think this plush is so funny. Is there I'm... an issue with this? At all that anyone no, can see? No, it's just a Wiggler, right? Well, it's fine. So let's put it back on Earth. What... Uh, thing is, though, I've recorded a bunch of videos for um, top tens <laughs> with that in the background, and I'm wondering how long <laughs> it's going to take them to notice that it's there.
1: So, apologies for audio listeners there, but that that Wiggler. If you want to check out the the video version to just see little Wigglet's face on Carl's uh, shelf then you
0: just google um, Pokemon plush Wigglet <laughs> and it's like they, they they and everyone's saying they must have known what they were doing it's like th- no it's the thing is they didn't and that's what makes it funny they don't realise it yeah. looks like a dick
1: <laughs> I don't know what you're on about Carl why would you say that? exactly it's
0: Wigglet it? I was Wiggler. like doing my stream the other week and people just like had it on my desk and wasn't explaining what it is no one's like why is there a dildo on your desk it's like it's not a dildo it's a Wigglet It is a weak but anyway. Anyway. Speaking of horror stories. So, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is a series of three collections of short stories for children written by Alvin Schwartz, and originally illustrated by Stephen Gamow. And uh, in 2011, HarperCollins published editions featuring new art by Brett Helquist, causing mass controversy among fans of Gamow. And here's where you said you're not familiar with Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, correct?
1: It's one of those of it. it. sounds a little bit familiar, but it's not something it's I quite generic, remember. It's quite generic, yeah. yeah.
0: But, you know, are you afraid of a doubt of the TV show Goosebumps, Thing itself? Mm-hmm. I absolutely guarantee you have seen something to do with Scary Stories to Turn the Dark, because the artwork by Stephen Gannel, or Stefan Gannel, depending on how you want to pronounce it, because it's spelled with a PH. I've heard people pronounce it well, Stephen um, Stephan, so...
1: I mean, my dad's called Stephen, and he spells it with a PH, so...
0: Yeah. So apologies if he pronounce it Stefan. I'm going to pronounce it Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um, you've most likely seen some elements of this because his artwork is simultaneously famous and infamous. Famous because it's so iconic. Infamous because remember, Lucas, I told you this was a, like, you know, a series for children, right? Children slash teenagers,
1: I presume, yeah. yeah.
0: But mostly for little kids. Like these right, are like okay. I'm talking we're talking on the level of like, you know, the man with a hooked hand hiding in the back of your car. Like, you know campfire stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to send you a here's just one of the most iconic images that like Gammel made for this book.
1: Oh. Oh no. <laughs> oh. So I was expecting when you were like teeing this up some Like, really detailed metal-as-fuck thing, as you you mentioned, like, oh, this this goes metal. Do you like that? No, they've gone down, like, early Tim Burton-esque, like, really low-detail, like, just
2: there Yeah, so, like,
0: the thing is, it's it's an awful image, right, but his artwork, like, uh, this, like, Charcoal on paper, almost like smoke. Like, you know, the monster is seemingly emerging from the smoke. Mm -hmm. Like, his art style is so iconic and so distinct that it basically defined these books, and they made three more of them. And it's to the point where the artwork is more famous than the stories because people know the artwork. It's like, you'll see creepypastas
2: mm. and,
0: like, you know, SCP entries and stuff like using artwork or edited versions of his artwork. And that's why the re-release was so controversial because Brett Helquist is the guy who did a lot of the artwork for um, a series of unfortunate events. So a good artist, oh. but nowhere near as metal or as hood as, like, Gammill's original art.
1: Yeah, like... You know, I I've not obviously seen any other pictures than that, but like a very like you know more usual art style for a series of unfortunate events at the very least. Yeah, well, actually, I mean.
0: I've got like some of the uh, the comparisons to send along, to you so you can see them. But I just thought that's the pale lady. If anyone's wondering which one I sent Lucas, mm-hmm. which I I remember cause the, the way I learned about scary stories turn the dark is apparently it's like a an icon. Like you know, or a a touchstone for a lot of American kids. My ex-girlfriend was American, Mm -hmm. and they released a scary stories to tell in the dark movie. And my girlfriend at the time wanted to watch it because she says I've heard that the practical effects are really good. Like basically, they've somehow managed to fully recreate his original artwork. And she showed me the artwork, and I was like, How the fuck would you recreate that Mm -mm. with like practical effects? And Lucas, (laughs) I'm just going to send you another picture now. Oh god, yeah.
1: he <laughs> look at your face? Oh, no, oh, that's it's like it's like I don't. Know. It's the, horrifying, it's like right? The absorbable off ate the ring girl. It, the thing is, that's horrifying, right? It's, it is horrifying. Yeah,
0: I and I'm not going to spoil the film, but like, again, the pale lady because it's like basically a three or four of the most popular scary stories telling the dark stories are all like combined into like you know a mini anthology film. Mm-hmm. And the pale lady bit is probably one of the tensest moments of me watching a film I've ever experienced. And this is a film for kids.
1: Yeah, that, that does not look like a creature built for children. Like, that's genuinely quite terrifying.
0: But then it makes sense when you realize it was Guillermo del Toro who did it. Oh, shit, okay. And, and that's why his insistence on the practical effects. And the pale lady was, like, one of the ones where, like, you just, you just see the screen goes red and you see that face and you like, fuck that.
1: But, like, you know, I'm, like what, I'm not good with horror. I'm, I'm a little uh, bit better with it. horror games than mm-hmm. anything else. But, like, I'm really bad with horror movies and horror TV shows and stuff. And, like, I wouldn't choose to watch that. But I see that picture and I go, nope, nope. Well, that's, the, that's what I always talk
0: about of, like, I think scary stories to turn the dark, like, especially the film, it epitomises something unique to the horror genre. Like whether it be a book, or a film, or a TV show, or a video game. Mm-hmm. And that is the moment where you're like, no, I'm out. Yeah, you know, Just like when you see that pale lady. No, nope. like when you see that artwork on the front of a book, like, I'm not reading that. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's why it's so famous and infamous. Because so, it was a book for kids, but it had that artwork in it god now think about how you get a little kid like that from the library that open that button They've got that in their imagination they read a bunch of scary stories they're not going to sleep that night
1: so are these like illustrated books as well they're not just yes. like weird covers
0: well no it's like there's uh, illustrations for some of the monsters in the book so yeah. i'll you know i'll describe them now so uh, subsequent reprintings have restored the original gamel art because of course they have it's mm-hmm. too iconic uh, the titles in the books are Scary Stories to Turn the Dark in 1981, More Scary Stories to Turn the Dark, and finally, Scary Stories 3, More Tales to Chill Your Bones. And that's what I love about it. It's like the juxtaposition of more tales to chill your bones really doesn't sell how fucking creepy that, that
1: is. <laughs> they it's will so actually good. chill your bones.
0: See, that's me. It reminds me of like, Goosebumps, isn't it? And mm. there's a couple of Goosebumps books and episodes of the show that just go really hard out of nowhere yeah (laughs) and I think like um, uh, one of the ones for me is I have maybe not on my shelf behind me but I have a collection of Goosebumps books the one that always scared me is Monster Blood which is basically just blob for kids okay yeah sure and they talk about how like the Monster Blood is basically this creature that just absorbs moisture because instead of eating people but they say like oh it gets stuck on your hand and it absorbs all the moisture and you can feel the moisture being drained out of your hand. and that's a real metal monster for some kids
1: yeah and I um, actually out of nowhere had another similar kind of creature thing pop up on my TikTok the other day mm-hmm. and it was a clip from the Grim Tales movie I think it was okay and it's like this mud creature from the well that like stole that this one? little girl's face
0: Mud creature. Because that's there's a couple of and like those like kids shows that just randomly go so hard. At, I know. Oh, the Brothers Grimm. The the Brothers Grimm. It must have been. Okay, yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. Okay. The mud monster. Okay, that looks horrifying. I don't like. Yeah. That.
1: It's just like a clip of this little girl running around like without a face, basically trying to like scream for help. And I was, oh my god, I didn't realize like this Brothers Grimm movie that was presumably for children just went <laughs> went so hard and they're horrifying.
0: What's the thing people are going to say. It's like the original Grimm's fairy tales were a lot more macabre than yes. um, the sanitized versions that we got from Disney and the like. For example, mm-hmm. the, the one that everyone knows is like Cinderella. In the original Grimm's fairy tale version, um, like the ugly sisters cut off their toes to try and fit their shoe, feet yeah. into the, the glass slipper and they're forced to dance in iron shoes that are heated till they're red hot, until they die. Ooh. And they're just like, you know, let's just sanitize that for the kids. Um, but you still see elements of it though, like Hansel and Gretel. There's yeah. no real way to kind of like sanitize Hansel and Gretel.
1: <laughs> it's like no, she she wanted to eat these kids, and they burned her for it. It's like
0: yeah, which is the weird thing, isn't it? Of uh, like some of the stories they're able to sanitize, but Hansel and Gretel is still about two kids murdering an old woman. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the Simpsons, but it's one of the few Simpsons that like Treehouse of Horrors that actually makes me. I actually don't like watching it. It makes me uncomfortable. It's the Hansel and Gretel parody. Because the lady they got to play the witch when she's kicked into the oven just screams really realistically, and I don't <laughs> like it. Oh, anyway, the three books each feature numerous short stories in the horror genre. Um, uh, Author Schwartz drew heavily from folklore and urban legends as topics of his stories, researching extensively and spending more than a year writing each book. Acknowledged influences include, but are not limited to, William Shakespeare, T.S. Eliot, Mark Twain, Joe Chandler-Harris, Bennett Surf, and Jan Harold Brunvand. And presumably like, you know, the original Grimm's fairy tales and stuff. But like you say, it's like mm-hmm. a collection of folk tales, like almost campfire stories, but these are considered like the definitive versions of those tales because of how well written they are.
1: That's cool. Yeah, and I, I will say just I always find horror literature way more exciting when it's in short story form.
2: Yeah,
0: um, I'm a big proponent of the the short story and the anthology film. Because mm. uh, I think horror is my favorite genre because it's the one that's the most experimental. I feel that horror Generally. has so much potential for experimentation within it and just good ideas being realized on a very low budget.
1: It's like even uh, you know. when you think about, oh, you know, oh, how can you say that when there's 10 Saw films and eight paranormal activities or whatever? And it's like, but those initial movies were actually doing something different.
0: Yeah, and even within those movies, there is still a lot of creativity, say, like, you know, it's Mm -hmm. the torch-porn genre, but they keep trying to top themselves. And one of the examples I use of that is the VHS series, which, um, uh, if anyone's not familiar, with, is an anthology horror series where it's just a bunch of small, short films, like, carried by an overarching narrative. And so many of them, you look at them and go, these are good 10- to 15-minute-long films. Or, like, you know, short stories or, like, short horror films. Mm -hmm. If these were an hour long or an hour and a half long, they'd be so fucking boring because you the gimmick would be you you'd get old after like the first 20 minutes
1: well that's um what i kind of found with things like the ring for example mm-hmm. is that, i think that's a way better 20 30 minute story
0: it is yeah And i think the original japanese version is um uh, a lot shorter
1: oh right okay that that does make sense then yeah
0: Yeah, and it's just one of those things, like, yeah, I think horror is really good for that. And there's so many horror films that I think suffer because they're too long. Mm -hmm. I remember The Babadook being fucking terrifying to me (laughs) until you see the monster and then it starts being scary. And then you've got like another half an hour of the film left. But like VHS, even if the film's not that great, like these short films, but by 20 minute mark, it's over. So you don't like it, then you've got another
1: one. And that is generally the premise, isn't it? Of a good horror. It doesn't have to be. Horror isn't always about monsters, but say, for example, a monster movie is like mm-hmm. the moment you show the monster, reveal the monster, it's like generally, yeah. generally a lot less scary.
0: Yeah. And uh, that's why like, I'm a big fan of like Stephen King's stories, because like, he is a master of, he has an interesting idea. It's just one interesting hook, one interesting idea. Explore that a little bit, and then you're done. You don't need to explore it anymore. Mm-hmm. That's what I think Like is my favorite thing about horror, is that People, anything can be scary because you know what is scary is subjective. Like the people out there, you can have a straight up just it is a shark attacking you. Mm-hmm. And you have those feel like yo. Know, it's just okay. Let's just break it down. Now. So, Let's say there's an idea of what I'm talking about. Someone's like, well, horrors. Like there's so many. They make me thinking like action movies or sci-fi movies. Like so, let's say you're scared of sharks. There are so many different movies you can do just based on that one concept.
1: Including, you can have like a tornado of sharks.
0: Yeah, you can have. You no, know, you can have a straight up. Just you are in the water, and a shark is after you. Mm-hmm. You can have. You are on a boat, and the, like the water slowly filling up. You can have just like you are trapped in open water. You can have your underwater, and the sharks coming for you. You can have like you're in an aquarium, and you, like this, it's great. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's one of the things I enjoy so much about horror, and just the the, the creativity often shown that because there's so many limitations limitations usually lead to creativity and creativity if it's not entertaining i oh sorry if it's not entertaining and like you know impressive it's at least worthy of praise because they tried something different If you know what i mean
1: yeah for sure and it it normally is those limitations that make them interesting because generally the way that holly hollywood movies still work in terms of horror is that they generally try to find like what will be the next sort of like here's a, a movie we can give like a couple of million dollars too, and hope mm-hmm. that it makes hundreds of millions because horror can generally be done quite cheap, and I say those limitations are like budgetary and stuff they they make people go out their way to make something like the Blair Witch
0: yeah, still the mo- one of the most successful movies ever made in terms of uh, initial budget to return on investment mm-hmm. and just to single out the VHS series, I was going to mention like I think I forget which one it was because like eight of them. I think it's like VHS 94 or something like that. Um, there was like a short horror vignette in that about a lady who is sitting in on a um, uh, wake. It's like, oh, we need you to just watch this coffin. Mm-hmm. But then there's a storm. And I'm going to say it, that short vignette by just some no-name nobodies who made like a 20-minute horror movie has one of the single best practical effects I have ever seen in mm. any film. Like straight up, it might be one of the sing uh, uh, to the point where the person that I was watching it with, we both actually sat up and went, hang on a second, how did they do that? And
1: what is like this? We li- uh, there's
0: a guy with no head,
1: oh.
2: but he's not got
0: no head. He's got half his head is missing. Ooh. And we both straight up went, how did they do that? Mm-hmm. Like we we looked and went, we cannot figure out where the seams are on this effect. This might be one of the best practical effects I have ever seen for like you know this kind of like body dis. Um, disfiguration, mm-hmm. and we were like, H- "How?" <laughs> like we, like, and that's thing. I watch a lot of horror movies, and I was like, "How did they do that?" Mm-hmm. And when a movie makes me do that, that's worthy of like singling out for praise.
1: Yeah, exactly. Even just if it's for that one small moment, that you can mention of like, you don't have to watch this whole thing. It's even if it's a short movie, just go watch that one scene. What's it? The the movie, like the vignette, is twenty minutes
0: long. Yeah. So as I was saying, even if you've like you've not wasted your time. You know, you've only wasted like 20 minutes, at the same time you've spend watching an episode of the Simpsons. But anyway, the books, uh, I'm just gonna go through like the various stories in them now. And Luke's only story to tell if there's like one that catches your eye. Because again, it just highlights the uh, the creativity within the field of like horror and short horror. So okay. the first book contains 29 short stories that Schwartz collected from folklore, collections, and archives, as well as from interviews with um, informants. The book stories include Jump stories, stories that end with a jump scare. I love the idea of a story ending with a jump scare. That's some <laughs> balls, that, isn't it? Um, f- uh, folk music, including the hearse song. A story involving voodoo death. A story involving a witch. The story of a man who shape-shifts into an alligator...
1: Specifically, just an alligator.
0: Just shapeshifts into an alligator. Okay. A game called The Dead Man's Brains, a boogeyman story or bogeyman, if you're in America. You? And, and a number of urban legends, including the hook, the poison dress, the killer in the back seat, and the babysitter and the man upstairs. And that might be one of the most like creepy, like urban legends that just keep, every couple of years it comes back. Are you familiar with the babysitter and the man upstairs?
1: Oh, no, I thought you were saying they were two separate stories there, but no, I'm not.
0: Okay, so the babysitter in the upstairs is like it's an urban legend, and a lot of people purport that it exists. But the basic story is, and I'm just going to go to the Wikipedia page for it, is that prevalent as a Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. The legend posits a teenage girl is watching television all night while babysitting after the children have been put to bed upstairs. The phone rings, and an unknown caller tells us to check on the children. The girl dismisses the call, but when the anonymous caller dials back several times, the girl becomes increasingly frightened. Eventually, the babysitter calls the police to inform her that they will trace the next call. After the stranger calls again, the police return her call, advising her to leave immediately. She evacuates the home, and the police meet her to explain that the calls were coming... From where do you think? From inside. Inside the house, yeah. And there's multiple versions of the story. And the one that my friend told me that when I was a kid, showing how prevalent this like urban legend is, this... This cultural folk tale is that he told me the version of and It's like a girl is like over oh, some. The kids keep crying, calling up the parents. Like, why? Why are the kids crying? It's like I don't know. There's, there's a really creepy like clown toy in the middle of the room, and just like the parents say, there's no clown, and it's a guy in a costume who's just sat in the corner of the room. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of actual real time stuff like this has happened, and that's why it lends a bit of veracity to mm-hmm. the
2: tale. Yeah, because well, it's, some, it's simple. Of, of just like, like
1: oh, there's a creep in the house. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that. And uh, there's like a similar story that I heard once, and it was like, um, like the family were away, and they'd they, like get a voicemail, and it's just, like, oh, something's wrong with the baby.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then it's like, oh, wait, we've got loads of voicemails. It's like they keep listening. It's like, no, guys, I really need you to like get back to me. And then, um, yeah, like they, they listen through a few more, and it turns out that the baby's got superpowers, and it's Jack Jack from The Incredibles.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, that's it. That's the twist on a twist, isn't it? Yeah, it was like there's so many of them, they're all terrified. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, like a popular like reading pastime of mine is like the creepy subreddit of like you know, or no sleep. I think it's called where people oh, like you know, God, yeah. basically they just create short horror stories, and it's like people say, oh the fake, but it's like so's a movie. Yeah, but a movie can still be entertaining if you suspend your disbelief. But yeah, um, it just says there's a couple more here The Legend of a Cannibalistic Butcher, uh, A Cautionary Tale involving a Girl Playing a Drum, The Legend of Mistletoe Bow, um, uh, A Variant of the Folk Song, The Irish Washerwoman, A Legend involving Three Men in a Nursing Home, The Story of a Man Who Tries to Escape from Death, The Vanishing Hitchhiker Story, a popular um, uh, folk and campfire story. The story from Lincoln Marsh was alleged to be inhabited by evil spirits, the story of a feral child, a story of a poltergeist and psychokinesis, a selection of jokes and humorous stories. And the, and the series concludes with a variant of a hearse song featured in the first book. And there's, like, many, many more.
1: I want to know what a cautionary tale about playing drums or whatever it was <laughs> was about.
0: we well, let just, you know what, let's find out. So, uh, playing drums... Scary stories to tell in the dark. Let's, let's see if we can get... The drum. So we have the... Now we've got moved sw- swiftly on to the, um, uh, the scary stories to tell in the dark.
1: Like red uh, wiki. Oh, okay, cool. So we, so we just like the... Um, I just want to know what what is the horror story around this drum. Uh, well...
0: I'm having one, two, three, four, five, it's like 12 paragraphs long, so we could just read the story.
1: It wouldn't take that long. <laughs> if you want to read well, the story to us. We could, I guess to end on, yeah, story we can read story. Story time with Carl.
0: But before we do that, I'll just mention on the Wikipedia page, we have the reception, which includes the controversy, because the series is listed by the American Library Association as being the most challenged series of books from the 1990s and the seventh most challenged from the 2000s. It made the list again in 2012. Complaints typically centred on its violence, disturbing subject matter, and potential unsuitability for younger readers, as well as religious concerns. Um, critics have called the stories, many of which feature macabre topics, such as murder, disfigurement, cannibalism, sick and repulsive, and really disgusting, not at all appropriate for children. The nightmarish artwork, it actually says that, by Stephen Gamel was also in the subject of criticism.
1: Yeah, that artwork is not fitting for children.
0: Yeah, and then, just in response to the controversy, it's like, well... Kids are a lot tougher than you give them credit for. Kids like to be scared. These are are basically the campfire stories. All the parents moaning about it told themselves. It's the same thing, isn't it, of parents complaining about stuff that they did when they were younger. Like, oh, all these kids on TikTok eating Tide Pods. It's like, well, what dumb shit did you do when you were a teenager? That, went, you know, you'll happily brag about over a couple of beers Mm -hmm.
1: when you're with your old friends. Yeah, and... I will say, you know, these children can speak for themselves because I, I never enjoyed getting told scary stories when I was a kid. Like, I could deal with creepy stories that weren't scary, but I never liked mm-hmm. being genuinely scared.
0: Well, one thing I want to do
1: before, you know,
0: I'll read the story yourself. And is, is that the one you'd like reading, or is there another one you'd like to hear?
1: I'm curious about the
0: drum. You, you're curious to hear about the drum?
1: Because, okay, so I'm just gonna... like, a lot of the other ones, I'm like, oh, well, I can see where, like... That story might go. I've heard of stories about poltergeists before, but I'm like, what's about? Yeah. What, what's so haunting about this drum? Yeah.
0: So I guess before I do that, the last thing I need to do is just show you. Here's some artwork by the new artist. Okay. And this was for the story, the haunted house. So just like so, you see that? Yeah. Just describe it to the folks at home.
1: Um. So that's just like you know a black and white, very traditionally drawn picture of just. Um, a man in a suit holding a Bible getting grasped by, like, um, a you spooky know, lady. A, a spooky lady, a skeleton like, ghost lady, you know, long hair, um, big flowing, like, dressing gown or whatever on. And he just looks a bit creaked out. And it's just, like, a very generic looking horror, still, I would say.
0: It looks like something you see on the front of, like, a Harry Potter novel, doesn't it? Yeah, or any exactly. young adult novel. Yeah. Here's what Stephen Gamble drew, um, basing his inspiration on the same story. Oh, <laughs> just your response says it all.
1: That is like that look again, very almost, you know, mm. early Tim Burton esque. Mm. Of like, it Tim looks Burton like a wishes it was this metal from that movie. Yeah, yeah, Tim Burton wishes it was this metal, but like, it just is like a creepy, like, zombified, like, just beaten up corpse with like straggly hair and. That looks like a genuine like picture of a three D model. Yeah, and
0: that's the thing. You've probably seen that image in a lot of creepy pastas, probably because like they use a lot of like gammel's art for them. Because it's, it's just it's very unsettling. What what picture was that from? Uh, that is the um, uh, just double check the Haunted House. That's from the Haunted House, right? okay. Yeah, yeah. which is in the um, the live action film. Like, that version of the story is told in that, and they
1: have a live action
0: version of that.
1: Design. I'm, and I'm not f- going to want to click on our Discord call for a while. <laughs>
0: it's, it's really unsettling. It's mm. so unsettling. But we should, I know it's why it's so good. But anyway, are you ready to hear the story of The Drum? Let's go for it. Okay, so The Drum is a story from more scary stories to tell in the dark. It's about two young girls who are promised a drum if they behave badly. The story is based on an old folk tale called The Pear Drum, which also inspired the Lucy Clifford story, The New Mother. So I guess I'll just read through the synopsis as it exists on these scary stories to tell in the dark wiki. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, like you know, people like the way that I tell it. I'm not going to go like, you know, full on. Dramatic audio reading book mode here, or
1: anything, yeah.
0: But I'll just read it as like, you know, as clearly and concisely as I can. Once there were two children. Dolores was seven and Sandra was five. They lived in a small house in the country with their mother and baby brother. Arthur, their father, was a seaman and was away on a long voyage. One day, Dolores and Sandra were running across a field near their house when they met a gypsy girl playing a drum. Her family was camping in the field for a few days. As the girl played, a little mechanical man and woman came out of the drum and danced. Dolores and Sandra had never seen such a drum, and they begged the girl to give it to them. She looked at them and laughed. I will give it to you, she said, but only if you are really bad. Come back tomorrow and tell me how bad you are, and we will see." As soon as the sisters got home, they started shouting, which was against the rules in their house. Then they wrote all over the walls with their crayons. At supper, they spilled their food, and when it was time for bed, they wouldn't go. They did everything they could think of to upset their mother. They were really, really bad. Early the next morning, they hurried off to find the gypsy girl. We were really bad yesterday, they told her, so please give us the drum. When they told her what they had done, the gypsy girl laughed. Oh, you must be much worse than that if I am to give you the drum. As soon as Dolores and Sandra got home, they pulled all the flowers up in the garden. They let the pig out and it chased it away. They tore their clothes. They sloshed in the mud. They were a lot worse than the day before. If you do not stop, their mother said, I will go away and take Arthur with me. You will get a new mother with glass eyes and a wooden tail. That scared Dolores and Sandra. They loved their mother and they loved Arthur. They could not imagine being without them and they began to cry. I don't want you to leave. Uh, I don't want to leave you, uh, their mother said, but unless you change your behaviour, I will have to. "'We'll be good,' the girls promised. "'They did not really believe their mother would go away. "'She was just trying to scare us,' Dolores would say later. "'We'll get the drum tomorrow,' said Sandra. "'Then we'll be good again.' "'Early the next morning, they rushed to find the Gypsy Girl, "'and when they found her, she was playing the drum again, "'and the little man and woman were dancing. "'They told the Gypsy Girl how bad they had been the day before. "'That must be bad enough to get the drum,' they said. "'Oh no,' said the Gypsy Girl. "'You must be much worse than that.' "'But we promised our mother to be good from now on,' said the girls. "'If you really want the drums to the Gypsy Girl, "'you must be much worse.' "'It's only for one more day,' Dolores told Sandra. "'Then we will have the drum.' "'I hope you're right,' Sandra said. "'As soon as they got home, they beat their dog with a stick. "'They broke the dishes. "'They tore their clothes to pieces. "'They spanked their baby brother, Arthur. "'Their mother began to cry. "'You are not keeping your promise,' she said. "'You will be good,' said Dolores. "'We promise,' said Sandra. "'But we can't wait much longer.' "'And their mother said, "'Please try.' "'Early the next morning, their mother was awake. "'Dolores and Sandra ran to see the gypsy girl. "'They told her all about the bad things "'they had done the day before. "'We were horrid,' said Sandra.' "'We were worse than we have ever been,' said Dolores. "'Can we now have the drum?' "'No,' said the gypsy girl. "'I never meant to give it to you. "'It was just a game we were playing. "'I thought you knew that.' "'Dolores and Sandra began to cry. "'They rushed home as quickly as they could, "'but their mother and Arthur were gone. "'They were out shopping,' said Dolores. "'They'll be back soon.' "'But they were still not back when it was time for lunch. "'Dolores and Sandra felt lonely and scared. "'They wandered through the fields for the rest of the day.' Maybe they will come home when we get back, said Dolores. When they got home, they saw through the window the lamps were lit and there was a fire in the fireplace. But they did not see a mother and Arthur. Instead, there was a new mother, her glass eyes glistening, her wooden tail thumping on the floor. And that would scare the fucking shit out of you if you were a little kid, wouldn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, if you're bad, we'll place your mum with a scary-ass statue with a wooden tail.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And, um... Yeah, I, I think like, that
0: might be the whole story and that's like you know like 200 words mm-hmm. and I would highly recommend people go seek out this book if they're able to I think you could pick up like collections of it for a couple of dollars on Amazon it's well worth just a read same as like a lot of the Goosebumps books
1: I also enjoy the kind of you know because it's a kid's book trying to like teach the kids a lesson element of that story of like
0: yeah like Aesop's you know. Fables sort of thing and like Grimm's Fairy Tales to a degree of like you know he's about to teach you, like don't be naughty don't mm-hmm. be naughty
1: or your mum will be upset I, I was genuinely expecting it to go further, of like, then the girl requested them to kill their mother to get the drum. Well, that's like, you know, you don't know
0: how hard some of the other stories go, because that's based yeah. on a really, really old folktale. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's other folktales that have a lot more metal than that
2: one. <laughs> I, you know, we're I was just I know
1: curious them. about, like, what is the premise of a story where the drum is, uh, like, you know, some kind of horror object.
2: Yeah,
0: you can see that being, like, a, a typical thing. It's like the little kids, like, what is it, Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe? Mm. Well, like the little shit in that betrays all his friends for some like <laughs> Turkish, Turkish delight.
1: delight. I'll
0: never forget that he sells out like lying Jesus for some Turkish delight. What a legend! But yes, that Poor was uh, that was scary stories to tell in the dark. Like a really fun, I mean, not fun if you like horror, but it's like oh, it's horror for little babies. Mm. And like babies, quite literally, babies' first
1: horror. Not if you've got the original artwork in there, though. Jesus mm. Christ. I it's, it's, like, it's,
0: almost, it's almost like Geiger-esque mm, yeah like it is um, very very upsetting
1: and um, just so people know who you're referring to that's the person who did like the artwork for like the Alien franchise yes right? sir
0: Geiger's yeah, so. like the one who did all that like, the weird biomechanical artwork that inspired Alien mm-hmm. and as far as like Gamble's not more well known but I guess presumably because no one wants that shit on the wall <laughs> yeah. I don't have on my wall I don't have it above my bed I oh, know
1: it's so scary. We'll quick count of the covers, babe. Let's go. If I come round and that's on your wall, I'm not. I'm not cuddling in your bed anymore, Carl. It's the, it's the kind of thing that if you had it on your
0: wall, like you put
1: it in your study, your kids won't go in there anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah. like that's that's the level of scary that it is. But like you had that shit on your wall, your kids aren't going in there anymore. Definitely not. It's like the visual equivalent of one of those water bottles you used to spray on dogs. <laughs> No, that was a scary story to tell in the
1: dark. Yeah. Thank you for your wiki card. It was. No problem. I, I get like, It went a different way than I was expecting because I was expecting it to just be like, oh, it's a silly thing like Goosebumps was. Well, that's the thing. It's. And it kind uh, of is, but the oh, artwork yeah. element changes it all Or Yeah. That's
0: what makes it. Yeah. It's the. Um, uh, the artwork makes it seem way scarier. It's because your imagination, like you know, your imagination is the scariest thing. But like, when you've got that artwork for inspiration, mm-hmm. it's next level. Yeah, because when you look at like the cover of Goosebumps, but like Slappy the um uh, the ventriloquist doll's dummy, that's a quite scary. And now imagine mm-hmm. like no Slappy the doll in Gammel's art style. Yeah, <laughs> you'd be like, you'd be, you say that's weird. It's all, all that idea of like you know. The ability of, like, imagery to um, uh, alter the way something's perceived.
2: It elevates the stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah.
0: I mean, he's <laughs> looked at the opening title of the um, Scary Story That is of is, Ah! This chapter is filled with jump <laughs> stories you can use to make your friends jump with fright. So I guess, like, the whole point is at the end, you can, like, you know, yell out the mm. the final line scare your kids.
1: Oh, dear. Well, I don't want to be scared anymore, Carl. Okay. So, I think we should move on. Yeah, no problem. And ah! I just, I don't want <laughs> you <laughs> to send any more of these, like, pictures so to can, me.
0: Can I just send one more? Oh, God, no. And it's just, no, Joe, we talked about the alligator one. Okay, yeah. Well, this is just a really cool picture of an
1: alligator that I drew. It's like, king. <laughs> okay,
2: <laughs> no, yeah, it's alligate- just
1: like a really cool, like, shadowy alligator figure.
2: Yeah, shadow alligator.
1: The Shadow Alligator. That sounds like a... Is it actually a Yu-Gi-Oh card? It probably a Yu-Gi-Oh card. It's, it's probably, probably a, shit, a Yu-Gi-Oh wow. card. Just Shadow Alligator. Oh, but... Carl, should we take a quick little break before we move yep. on? Okay, let's do that. So, Lucas, have you been suitably spooked?
0: I have been suitably spooked. Suitably big thing is, do you have the balls to put that pale
1: lady picture as a thumbnail? Uh, I don't know if I do. I, don't, I will see how I feel on the day. It's so spooky. It really is. Like, I'm, I'm not sure whether that's going to get clicks or just scare people away legitimately. Yeah, people love horror-like sh- stuff. The last thing is, it, I'm coming from the perspective of someone who doesn't love horror things. Oh, okay. So I'm just like, oh, God, no. But um, you know, speaking of less horrifying things, Carl, yes. have you got anything that you would like to plug for us while we take okay, our go. intermission?
0: The only thing I'd like to plug is that I'm now um, a bit currently the interim host of Top 10's Biographics and Geographics. So if anyone happens to uh, follow any of those channels or just like, you know, Top 10 lists, um, uh, like histories of people or places, you follow those for um, uh, new videos every week. Or if you and just want to see
1: more of Carl's face.
0: Yeah, not sure why I do not want that. But.
1: I mean, the the there's plenty of people out there that I'm sure do, Carl, whether you like to admit that fact or not, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, are those videos started going out now? They have, yes. Yeah, because I know that obviously they wanted to build up a bit of a, a backlog of videos before they started uh, pushing those. But yeah, you can there go you find go. Carl over on those channels now. Cheers. How about yourself? Anything you're going to plug? Well, yeah, I am going to plug something. In, and it's that we are currently you know, putting this podcast out on the 23rd of August, 2023. Mm-hmm. Did I just say the right words? 23rd of yeah, yeah. August, 2023. Yeah, um, you know something just doesn't sound right when it comes out your mouth. Yeah. But it's like, wait, yeah, um, yeah. On the twenty fifth of August, we are going to be hosting a rock band karaoke event, and it's just yeah. for uh, you know any of our UK listeners that happen to be able to get down to Sheffield for the twenty fifth of August um, at eight pm in the Meltdown Gaming Bar in Sheffield. Is that correct? Nice mm-hmm. correct. Yes. Yeah, we'll be playing rock band, and you know. There will be the guitars there and the microphone for some karaoke shenanigans, and just yeah, it'll be a fun way to just hang out with the fat fiend crew and we are presenting just a nice rock band karaoke night for anyone to come in it's free entry um and obviously you know it's not like we're asking American viewers to come over right? it's just of course, yeah, you know, if you happen to be available and it's not too much effort, like we'll be there. And we'll be just hosting that that fun little event, but the the hope is that we can do more in the future, so don't go into panic mode, spending a bunch of money trying to get to Sheffield. But
0: yeah, like the hope is that we can do it every month. And uh, for before anyone asks, no, we don't have the drum kit. But Lucas, you recently bought a drum kit, so
1: yeah i I bought one, but it was on the cheap, and they it's like untested because they didn't mm. have the equipment to test it. So. Um, they were like everything else that I bought from that person in a job lot. It all works fine, so I have no reason to like believe that you know that wouldn't work. So I'm going to take the word for it. Hopefully, mm. I've got a, a, a drum kit sorted for it, but I'll have to wait and see with that because I still need to get it posted to my house. Test yeah. it all out. eBay eBay is a fickle place, you know. I might have just bought a drum kit. That doesn't fucking work. Yeah, so. and then you've got to get it back to my house, then we are going to get to the <coughs> venue. And also as well, I just thought for the
0: initial one of like, the drum kit on rock band, a great addition, but mm-hmm. from my experience of when you play rock band with the drums, all you hear is... It is so loud. The drum kit is... And I'm hoping it being in a club with music and a, and a microphone, it will it'll be drowned
1: out. Exactly. At least yeah. a little bit. And that will, you know be up to us to test. So we're, we're not going to confirm it for the future or anything. It, there's a lot of ifs, buts, and maybes, but it's a hope. It's a potential hope. Mm-hmm. I do like, as well, um, when we announced it, the people
0: were sending me like, oh, Carl, here's like more guitars to buy. It's like, do you think we hosted the event without having
1: guitars? <laughs> <sighs> oh. Oh. But yeah. But anyway, what- I uh, picked a wiki, Carl, that may be tied into this whole thing because... I just figured to help plug and talk about the event, we could just talk about the video game Rock Band.
0: Okay, because that's I will something a mistake that I always make is I will use Rock Band and Guitar Hero interchangeably because to me they're basically the same game. I know they have diehard
1: fans either side. They're really, really not. And when Carl kept saying like we're going to be playing Guitar Hero for the event, I kept being like. We're not. We're using guitar hero controllers, but we're playing Rock Band. Yeah. <coughs> so, uh, cool. maybe, you
0: know, educate me on the difference between the two series, because I know like Rock Band's the one that actually got support. Like yes. Rock Band's the one that's not dead.
1: Rock Band to this day is still getting um, DLC updates. Yeah. So it's I still having like... music added to the store, and we'll gain to like how long that's been supported for. But Rock Band is a music video game developed by Harmonix with an X, so that you know they're cool. And it's published by MTV Games and distributed by Electronic Arts. And it's like, MTV Games, that was surely a thing. And EA as well. I'm I mean, EA. You know, obviously EA is still rocking, but yeah, it's uh, one of those untarnished EA titles as far as I'm really concerned. It's one of the few series, where they actually have the justification
0: for having a shit ton of DLC and microtransactions because <laughs> sometimes you just want to pay for one song.
1: Sometimes it's, it makes you just it makes pay perfect like, sense.
0: you what two quid for a song?
1: It's like yes, yeah, fuck
0: it. It makes perfect sense because well, that's almost in line with what like you know a single high quality like you know download would cost you back in the day anyway.
1: Yeah, and bear in mind these are like. With Rock Band, I remember with like Guitar Hero, the first one, it was all covers, and then they slowly started getting more and more uh, bands on board. By the time Rock Band came around, it was like there was the odd cover. <clears throat> Bear with my my throat. Apologies,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but it, there was the occasional cover by Rock Band One, but for the most part, it was working off like original masters at this point. Yes, and it's like uh- the quality is. Actually ridiculously good for a lot of these songs.
0: And there's a bunch of stories like because people might forget, like younger listeners might not realize how big of a cultural phenomenon rock band and guitar hero were. Because there was a period on YouTube where you could not Google a song.
2: <laughs> because
0: you would get a the Guitar Hero or Rock Band hacked version of it. Like, yeah. And like Freddie Wong, like one of the but yeah, I think he's still going. Still pretty big content creator. Got his start playing Guitar Hero on
1: YouTube. There's still I videos. I assume Freddie Gu- Wong got his start with like rocket Jump and stuff like that.
0: No, he was playing Guitar Hero covers first. Like he was oh, at wow. the Guitar Hero World Championships, which were a thing.
1: Also, I'm pretty sure Freddie Wong is currently doing like a uh, not critical role, but like it's like Dim- Dimension 20 or something like. That? I can't remember Some- the name I- of it because. I don't watch them, but, like, one of those big D&D streams. So, like, yeah, definitely still around making content.
0: It's one of those things as well where I don't follow other YouTubers, which means, you know, it means I'm kind of out of the loop, but it also means that when, like, drama happens and people ask me about it, I'm like, who? Mm-hmm. But no, it's like just an idea of how big it was. And, you know, the thing... And we'll really... properly
1: into it, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. You, you,
0: just, you mentioned Masters, and there were a few bands... Who did not have the masters of their songs, mm-hmm. and there was a period where it was seen as being like quite a big deal to be in a guitar hero or rock band game. So some bands re-recorded and created new masters for their songs. That's I crazy. think like uh, the Clash maybe did that, or Sex Pistols maybe because they didn't have, uh, other Ramones. Mm-hmm. It was like a punk band who didn't have like uh, an original master of one of their songs. So they re-recorded it.
1: That's really cool for the game. Yeah, and um, I remember just we were playing it on stream the other week and. Um, it was like we played Ace of Spades and it's like the 08 version and presumably yeah. again a similar thing of like the 08 re-recording they could get masters of but they're like you know back in the day <laughs> the the masters are probably long gone
0: Yeah, I, I think though in terms of being a game I, I get why they want to have the masters because if you all want to play Ace of Spades you want to play I want to pretend that I'm, like, you know, in the band. I'm playing alongside Lemmy. Mm-hmm. But in terms of it being a game, I much preferred the first Guitar Hero game being all covers because then, in terms of the story of you being a band playing mm. covers and gaining success that way, makes sense. And I think even the final like cutscene in like the original Guitar Hero, when it's like, your band on the front cover of like big news right, about your world your world tour, yeah. it says, "I never thought we'd get this far playing covers." I kind of of like that because it made it feel like you were in a band playing covers of other people's music but being successful doing so.
1: I mean, I get that element of it, but in that scenario, I would much prefer it's like when you beat the campaign, you unlock the Masters versions of them all, would think.
0: Which would be too difficult, yeah. And then having a 50 50 approach would just be weird, so I get
1: why they do that. It's like for Guitar Hero, you know, one kind of set list, I think that would be achievable. Mm-hmm. For a set list that they had in later games it it's like ninety songs or like the rock you know, where you the rock band version where you like keep getting more and more from the store like mm-hmm. every week. Like that would be so much more work because you're literally recording your own version of every single one of those songs as well as putting the masters in. Yeah. But like, you know, if a set list of thirty songs, that would have been a really cool idea.
0: Yeah, and I did like that the first couple did have um, covers in there because it just made the songs feel unique to the game. Mm-hmm. Put their spin on it. and i think the reason they did that is because they couldn't get the masters of a lot of those older songs is and i think the ca-
1: obviously the first one especially just it's like well why would we want to be associated with this like random arcade game with plastic guitars like
0: yeah so we'll give you the right ra- like the rights to the song but we're not going to give you our masters and it's like mm-hmm. okay so we'll just re-record it and that's yeah. like some pretty good uh, you know artists and musicians in-house
1: yeah it did really throw me off though when um I first played Guitar Hero 3, and it was like, you know, most of them weren't covers at that point, and then one of them was that I came along, and I was like, why does this not sound right? And then it's like, oh, it's as made famous by this band. Right, got yeah. it.
0: Yeah, and one of the cool things that they did is, like, the level effort they went to was pretty impressive.
1: hmm
0: Like, with uh, the first Guitar Hero, like, for example, the Iron Man cover they did. Um, they they found, asked Ozzy, like, how did you do, like, the voice effects? So, like, you know, the, I am Iron Man. He's like, oh, I spoke through a fan.
1: Uh-huh. And then they
0: went, do you know what kind of fan? He went, I'll fucking know. So they tracked down, like, his sound engineer and got the exact same kind of fan for the cover.
1: Do they care? Do you, you give a shit? The, like, Aussie Osborne <laughs> knew anything that was going on at that moment. No,
0: you knew that he spoke through a fan. Though, and they tracked down his <laughs> yeah. sound engineer and they said, "What fan was it?" And they knew when they tracked down the exact same model of fan for the cover because mm-hmm. they cared. That's really cool, and I like that they did. So, go on, tell me about Rock Band. now.
1: Well, the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 versions were released in North America on November twentieth, two thousand and seven. Mm-hmm. Whole sixteen years ago, and then there was a PS2 version released uh, December 18th and a Wii version June 22nd, 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one thing to mention now while we're talking about Rock Band is that right now, uh, Xbox have just announced in the last week or so, the Xbox 360 like store is going to be dropped from next year. Does so that if you include- want to go buy like the original Rock Band game and stuff like that, then a lot of Xbox three sixty content is gonna be gone in the next year, so go panic by all those
2: things.
1: (laughs) A lot of backwards compatibility stuff you'll be fine with though. Yeah, it's so weird that like
0: the stuff can go missing in this day and age. It baffles me.
1: Yeah, and I know that the argument is well well, you know, hardware will deteriorate over time too. It's like, yes, and there would be it's like I, I understand the upsides and downsides of both arguments and I get that Having to keep up purchases for like a store that's 20 years old is like not worth their resources and stuff, but it is still a shame. Mm-hmm. It's like in terms of preservation and stuff, just there's going to be a bunch of Xbox Live arcade games and stuff that never got ported that are just going to cease to exist anymore.
0: Yeah. It's like just when you were telling me that sometimes, like, because Rock Band, people making Rock Band give a shit. They'll occasionally renegotiate licenses for songs they lost the licence to. And you'll just yeah. get updates when you boost it up, like,
1: oh we got the license back for these three songs enjoy. Cause like there's a lot of um with Rock Band, one of the impressive things that he did was it wasn't like Guitar Hero where you buy a new game and you've got a new set list. It was like that. Mm-hmm. But you also were able to import for a small fee or like an included code if you got like the non pre owned version, like if you bought yes. it new. You got a code to import the set list, and if you didn't have the code, you could pay like five pounds or whatever to import your songs onto the next game, which includes and, all the numerous rock band. You, know, you got like rock band Beatles on there, haven't you? Which no, was like ri- no, is that no, that's no, not no? On there. That's the one that's not allowed to. Exi- Nothing is allowed to touch, or be touched from Beatles rock band. God, Beatles rock band is its own insular experience. That the Beatles are like get the fuck away from <laughs> us. See, I, I get it to a degree
0: of like, yeah, it's our music, and mm-hmm. we want we like we choose how it gets represented. But I think too, when they had Guitar Hero World Tour, they start mm. putting like real people in it.
2: Yeah, And they put yeah. in
0: like Haley Williams, for example, and you could have her as an unlockable character. And it's the one like that everyone was Axel getting a you know, rose
1: cute. and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah,
0: and people had a huge meltdown about them putting in Kurt Cobain. 'Cause they managed right. to get the likeness to Kurt Cobain. And it's like it's really like, you know, antithetical to Kurt Cobain's image that like you can get Kurt Cobain as your lead singer and make him sing Misery Business until Dave Grohl came out and went, Kurt would have loved it. Yeah,
2: he Kurt had a great He had lost a great sense shit.
0: He had a great sense of humour and he'd he dumb pop. Like Kurt Cobain's favourite artist was RuPaul.
2: Oh
0: wow, okay. <laughs> he loved Fair. that shit. I just remember that would be, like, a thing of, like... It's so offensive to put Kurt Cobain in this game and make him sing, like, dumb pop music. It's like, but he loved dumb pop music. Yeah. He was a really, like, you know, um, happy-go-lucky guy, except for that one time he wasn't.
1: And, yeah, it's just a a really weird thing where, obviously, you know, people's likenesses, people's, um, Mm. you know, music licences and stuff, they all... There's a lot of weird, you know legally surround them that we are not privy to but of course yeah yeah other than the beatles rock band that was like fuck off and leave us alone i've got like green day rock band on there, lego rock band rock band one two and three soundtracks all imported into rock band four but some of the licenses had expired and wait i haven't got the full like rock band one song Mm -hmm. list on rock band four what happened and then one day like five of them just appeared on my console i was like wait what that? Oh yeah, yeah. We've just like updated some of them to go- to come back into the game. It's like oh, awesome. Like thank you.
2: And it's just, just yeah,
1: you know you compare that to like oh um like fucking Deadpool the video game got taken off marketplace like three years after it came out. I can never be bought ever again.
0: My, the absolute best example of that is grand theft auto 4 where they released an update 10 years after it came out and i was like wow look grand theft auto 4 is getting an update 10 years after release is this like you know evidence of a remaster or you know an updated version of the game or something like that or like you know a tweaks to give it a physics engine similar to gta 5 it's like no it was an update that removed songs what i lost the license for <laughs> so they released an update that took content away from a game you'd bought that's amazing. Just like, amazing oh. in the sense that
1: they have the balls to do it. it. Yeah, it's amazing in the sense of, like, look how fucked we all are. Like, mm-hmm. You can only laugh at how just horrendous that is in terms of a consumer experience. Of, like, and We're giving you a free update to remove songs from your game. In that, in that
0: example, they did put some extra music in to replace it. The problem is, is the music they put in was modern music, mm-hmm. but the game's set in the 2000s. So it, like, just it makes it anachronistic of, like, a game that's very heavily set in the 2000s, inspired by the 2000s, like, culture and and political climate, has mm-hmm. modern music in it.
1: Yeah, it was meant to be, like, mid noughts kind of representation of New York City, and it's like, yeah, but would you like to listen to Carly Rae Jepsen? And it's like, to I know be fair, Carl to would. Be fair, yeah, I know Carl would like to listen to Carly Rae, but it also takes you out of the experience. Hey, do you know who else is in? Who's in rock band? Carly Rae Jepsen. Carly Rae Jepsen. And hopefully, we will have a Carly Rae Jepsen song for the event that we're going to we're going to host. I don't know whether we got that song or not, but maybe we will.
2: <laughs> the thing is, though,
0: like I remember, where, like you know, there's that they're a weirdo purist about rock band. It were like, Mm -hmm. well, Carly Rae Jepsen's not a rock band. It's like, no, but it's a good song to sing. And And I think our approach, yeah.
1: It's also a good way to get your friends that, like, might be a bit iffy about playing a video game with you all, but it's not a video game. Come round and sing some Carly Rae Jepsen with us. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay. And I've got plenty of people into rock band that way of, like, Okay, I know that you don't want to sit here and, like, play the guitar solo of Gimme Chocolate, yeah. but do you want to come round and we can, like, sing some fun, dumb pop songs and, like, I'll play drums for those songs?
2: Yeah. And
0: that's the thing about it. It's, like, really good for getting, um uh, you know, people who have different musical tastes in there. Because I remember an interview with Guitar Hero Makers when they said, well... There's a lot of these songs where, like, you know, you won't really think of them as a guitar hero. Like I said, something like Franz Ferdinand, they'd like take me out on there. Mm-hmm. But no one really thinks of that as like, you know, a guitar classic. Like, no, but it's a fun song that a lot of people like. Mm-hmm. And we like, say that's a good, people who like that song will now play our game. And then they might like all the other songs by all yep. these other artists that are like, more into, like, in keeping with that theme.
1: And like guitar hero and rock band have made me discover a lot of artists that I would have otherwise not listened to. And that's the yeah. beauty of them. It's like going through and playing those campaigns where you play the entire set list of those songs. It's like, oh, wait, what's this band? Like, I've never heard of them, but this is a really cool song. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, the, one of the most interesting things, I think, about Rock Band is that, yes. as the wiki says, Harmonix previously developed the first two games in the Guitar Hero series, which popularized yes. the gameplay of rock music with guitar-shaped controllers.
0: Because th- Yeah, that was the one, wasn't it, where it was... Um, I. This weird internal split where like, Rock Band and was made by people who worked at Guitar Hero, and that's why like, people consider Rock Band to be the true like successor to the series because it has the people who actually made Rock Band one, Guitar Hero One and Two.
2: Exactly, um, uh, yeah. A success
0: in the first
1: place. It's like it says here, the development was shifted over to NeverSoft, and um, I think it was like Activision bought Guitar Hero, mm-hmm. shifted it over to NeverSoft because they were an internal studio. And then harmonics are like, well, shit. What do we do? And then it became rock band versus guitar hero. It was like, well, we can't continue to make guitar hero, but what can we do to innovate on it? And it's like, well, the answer was make it a band game, not just a guitar mm-hmm. game. And uh, you know, I would I would argue that like <laughs> a focus moment... on its face. <laughs> I'd argue for that? the most part it's like improved the genre significantly, and I know that yeah. One of your big frustrations that you know I do agree with, but I understand the, the reasoning the behind big it, it yeah. is just that you have to play one guitar, one bass. It pisses me off to no end. Like, it's mm-hmm. my
0: number one chief complaint about rock band, and it is okay. Let's both play through the fire and flames, okay? And because of these, that's the one I pick because that that band has two guitarists, and the guitar solo in that in that song is a battle between those. Guitarists. Right. It's a duel. And there's no option to both play lead guitar. Even though that band has two lead guitarists.
1: And that's and the thing is a lot of bands don't necessarily have lead guitarists for both. But rhythm like, rhythm guitarists. Why don't you have yeah, lead guitar rhythm guitar as an option? If you really want to keep it to we only want to keep it as like the rock band experience of like you're not fighting over the same instrument and like there's not four people all playing drums. But you could give, yeah, rhythm guitar and lead guitar for songs that have that. Like, you can play Foo Fighters, a band that, for a lot of the time, like more modern songs, have three guitarists in the band, and you only get an option for one person to play on guitar. Also, I don't understand why.
0: Uh, it's Okay, we want the rock band experience. Okay, in the story, yeah. But why can't I, when I'm playing quick play mode,
1: have four people playing drums? Yeah. Why can't I have four people singing? Why can't we become Girls Aloud? Exactly, yeah. Just, you know, they added harmonies over time. They added keyboard for Rock Band 3. And it's like they had so many options. And just why didn't you, as you say, just for quick play mode, Mm. just let you do what you want. I guess the answer might be um, because they have, like, more significant choreography than the Guitar Hero games in terms of what your band's doing on stage. Like, There's technical limitations to that of, like, well, all of a sudden you can't have, like, drums take up all the stage and whatnot. But, like, yeah. it's wild to me that they've spent, yeah, as we said, like it's 16 years since the first one came out, and they've never had the ability to do it.
0: Yeah, it's, like I say, it's my chief frust- frustration with it, because, mm-hmm. no, like, I'm sorry to the bassists out there, but nobody playing a game called Rock Band is going in unless they're playing a Red Hot Chili song or a Motorhead song, saying, I want to be the bassist. That's, no one wants yeah. to be the bassist in a band. And You, you want I to be the singer argue, or you want to be the lead guitarist or maybe the drummer.
1: I no argue, one wants to be the bassist. I know plenty of bassists that would give you an argument of, I, I want to play the bass. but Because also, they like, like bass.
0: No yeah. normal person then who's not like musically inclined or plays an instrument already wants
1: to be the bassist in a band. The the bassist is the most forgotten member of the band for sure, in terms of like just you know, mainstream people who, as you say, like are less musically inclined. When you think of a band, the the bassist is normally the last person you think of. Sorry, bassists. And like Yeah. You know, obviously then keyboardists come a rank below that. And that's why they weren't even in the original rock band. But you know, hey, don't forget about um
0: uh like you know, in Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds his scissor player do you remember his scissor player <laughs> no. like Noel Gallagher's band High Flying Birds for one of their songs had a lady on stage playing the scissors into a microphone
1: well, it's a shame that the Gallagher brothers are just dickheads, though, isn't it? The thing is, though, they're dickheads in a way that you can't tell if they're being serious. Uh, they, they are hundred percent being serious. And so have you ever seen that? Like, great there are big... stories where I'm like, if they weren't taking themselves so seriously, this would be incredible. But they just seem like absolute prats. What's
0: well, so it? They are pricks. But yeah. I, a, if you don't know the Gallaghers, uh it's the band Oasis, mm. a British institution, like one of the uh, the the, the the pioneers of what became known as Britpop or Britrock depending on how you want to define it shit music and, yeah and that yeah, I, I hate I hate indie music and I hate Britpop but I, I don't you know, necessarily hate like indie and Britpop but I do hate Oasis I, I'm not the biggest fan of Oasis but I do like that I, it's led by two brothers who fucking hate each other and all they do in every interview and I've, people know people know what they're doing when they ask you in interviews like so you supposed to your brother yet and they just Go off on
1: one. I think one of my favorite things lately that I've seen about the Gallagher brothers was just when Louis Capaldi came on stage. Are we back?
0: Yeah, so you were saying about Louis Capaldi.
1: Sorry, yeah. So Louis <laughs> Capaldi recently or not so recently, I don't know because, you know, I'm behind on current music things, but mm-hmm. at one point just came on stage. And the intro was a video of Liam Gallagher being like, I don't know who the fuck Lewis Capaldi is. And then Lewis Capaldi just comes out dressed as Liam Gallagher, acting like a knobhead. <laughs> the
0: thing the- is, I, the, the, I've only met one person who's met them in real life. Cause they used to work at the O2. Mm. so like a, a venue in the UK, uh, in Sheffield, where I'm based. And they said that it was like, not even like one of the Gallagher brothers, it was one of their like cousins, it's like one of the lesser Gallagher's, just kicking off downstairs that they weren't allowed into the VIP. Of course, yeah. Of being like, um, uh, oh, do you know who the fuck I am? And they just legit just went, no. <laughs> I went, I'm like Noel Gallagher's cousin. And I went, okay, unless you're Liam, you're not getting in. Yeah, are you
1: Noel Gallagher though? No. <laughs> no. Fuck off. And then
0: apparently they just called him up. And just like one of the Gallagher's come
1: down to it, like, fucking peeled off his tits. And said, let him up. He's just going to complain otherwise. Oh, God. But anyway... Going back to Rock Band: The Game. Um, In addition to the 58 core songs, including game disc, over 2,000 downloadable songs were released for the 360 and PS3 versions, and that's (sighs) for like Rock Band: The Game. Yeah, like we are now in 2023, and Rock Band 4 is still getting like a couple of songs per every week or so.
0: Yeah. So I've just like done a quick check. I'm curious, uh, and I've looked and how. Does anyone know how much it all costs? So there's a quick calculation someone did hear of. Um, Going through everything, if you bought every bit of DLC and, uh, you know, all the games, it costs close to $4,000. And that's not including all the delisted content and exports that you can get.
1: Yeah. So $4,000 worth of DLC sounds like a lot. Yeah, and that's the thing where, like, you know, I take kind of pride in the fact that I've got all, like, the oldest, like the fact that I've got all of the exports that are like really hard to get now, yeah, like that's the stuff where I'm like, I'm glad I managed to somehow glob on to all this content to put into four. And here's the thing it does sound bad when you say there's like four thousand dollars of
0: DLC, but here's the thing I want to say 90% of that is probably something like not going to be to most people's musical taste. I'm not saying that 90% of it is bad, I'm saying that for each individual person. Who wants to buy songs for the game? They're not going to want to listen to like, all of those songs because that amounts oh. to about well, you know two and a half thousand songs. You're not going to want to play two thousand songs.
1: No, no the thing heard- is it's got a very eclectic like amount of music. It's got spanning most genres over what fifty, sixty years, mm-hmm. and it's like you're not going to want all of those songs. And even if you do, you don't necessarily need to buy like. All twenty songs from one artist to enjoy rock band. Like you can just, you know, pick up a couple of songs here and there, like of what you fancy, and mm-hmm. it's more that I don't necessarily see that as a game where it's like you don't need to complete the set list of every single song available. You need to just get what you want, and the fact that there's so many options is incredible.
0: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? If, um, uh, it's basically the the best way to do. DLC, of like, Jordan always says, like, a la carte, and it is, it's truly Mm. a la carte, you pick the stuff that you want, and it's priced, I'd argue, quite fairly.
1: I'd I'd say very fairly, I think most songs, at least in Rock Band 4, when we checked, is like £1.59, I think, so, like, you know, like, nothing really, and then each song pack is like, you know, a lot of them come in, like, a pack of three for, like, you know, £4 or something, and it's
0: like, cool. Just, it just seems like a very reasonable cost for like a bit of DLC. It's like it's probably the fairest DLC like um, uh, rollout I've seen for a game,
1: especially a modern and game.
0: Ma- modern game. And it's made by EA. Yeah, of all things. Mm-hmm.
1: At least the ver- the very first one was I can't remember where we will get to with like Rock Band Four, mm-hmm. um, because I know at least nowadays Harmonix is owned by Epic Games, but that was after the release of Rock Band Four. Yeah. Um, but yes, I will. You know, well, most people are very familiar with what the gameplay is for these games. It's like, you know, notes scroll down a screen. You have to, like, press the corresponding buttons and, like, strum or hit the drums in time or Mm -hmm. sing the notes, uh, you know, relatively close to what they were, Um, you know, just as you would with a karaoke
0: and here's some pro tip. If you ever want to like just five-star all the songs, um, go into the music options, turn down all of the guitar sounds and place the microphone directly next to your own speakers. <laughs> you'll, get, you'll get a perfect score for every song and just like five-star everything. Just a good way to get through like um, the story mode of that game is just put the microphone next to your speakers because it just plays its own music. Mm. And it just hears the music as it plays in the game.
1: I mean, fair enough. That's that's one way to just get around it. Or you could do it another way of don't sing the song, just sing the notes. Yeah, like just hum. hum the notes because it, it, it doesn't decent, know yeah. what you're singing. And obviously, that's not a fun way to do it. but It's no. easier to do it that way. Thing if you is, want to like get good yeah. scores.
0: Have you ever like played like games like archetype with people who take it that seriously? I remember once I played with a guy who, if you didn't get a combo, he'd restart the song. Like you would, I remember what we were like. Two minutes into the song, he missed one note, so he restarted the song without asking anybody.
1: Oh and I was like, no. I'm not having fun doing this. No, yeah. And it's just like, yeah, don't be that person. Like I, I really do enjoy when you're all on the same page. Being like, like, okay, you know, a few of me and my friends were really into guitar here and rock band back mm-hmm. in the day, and like, I would like have a couple of friends where we got really into it together by a choice. And like just us three would play together and try and like five star a bunch of songs. But that was all of us understanding that that's what we were there to do. Mm -hmm. It's like most people just want to have fun. And that's why generally speaking, I've always played rock band like, you know, with everyone else just play rock band, no fail mode, let's have fun if you get one star, you get one star. If you get five stars, cool, awesome.
0: Yeah, and that's the one as well why we're doing it at the event, because the I think the last time we did it, we held the event where we said we've got no fail on, except for if someone wants to play Through the Fire and Flames, because that's seven minutes long. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to go in there and play a seven-minute long song, we don't want you to not be good at it, because no one wants to see someone fail for seven minutes straight. Yeah. So three, four-minute song, if you're not very good at it, you know, it's fine, but it's like that's a seven-minute song where four minutes of it is guitar solo. And
1: if you can't play it and we don't even get to hear the guitar so- solo properly, what's What are the we point?
0: doing? Yeah. So I think that for that reason when we were going through like, oh what DLC should we get for it? It's like any song that's over five minutes long, it's like we're not buying it. Mm-hmm. Because it's just it's five minutes long.
1: And um yeah, it's Weird that this game was so successful, though. Well, it's not weird that it was so successful, but like it is kind of weird how big Guitar Hero and Rock Band were at the time.
0: Yeah, like it's like a cultural event,
1: it really was. Like, there's a small, tiny bit here on cultural impact, and it's like one line basically. It says, it's like weird. the Guitar Hero series, Rock Band had a significant impact on culture. Um, Alex. Rigopulus, and Aaron Eggersy, the founders of Harmonix, were together named in Times Magazine's list of the 100 most influential people of 2008 for the creation of Rock Band. I I, I don't necessarily always get on board with these lists of like most influential people or whatever or sexiest people alive, blah blah blah. But yeah, usually it's like... So they were considered yeah. one of the most influential people in the world at the time because of Rock Band. That's the thing as well. It's because they never add the caveat of this year.
0: Mm-hmm. It's always like, oh, it's the 100 sexiest people alive right now. But like that's the thing. It's implied, but because it's not actually said, you always get people, well, they're not more influential than like Nikola Tesla. It's like, well, yeah, they said this year. Yeah. It's implied that it's this year because they
1: change the list every year. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, the, in the article for... On the Time Magazine list. Uh, mm-hmm. Guitarist Stephen Van Zandt, I'm not sure uh, where they're from, let's give a quick check. Uh, like what, what band are they in? He's a member of Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. Okay. Which he plays guitar and mandolin.
2: And, That's a difficult thing to play.
1: And he has also appeared in The Sopranos, Carl.
2: Oh, yeah! With Silvio
1: wait. Dante.
0: Oh, yeah, he's that dude! He's like a random guy who's just in a band, and he's like one of the best characters on the show. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, oh, forgot, like, just
1: the, the Sopranos, they got a guy from Bruce Springsteen's band. Um, he's hired him. And he claimed that in the history of rock and roll, rock band may just turn out to be up there with the rise of FM radio, CDs, or MTV. so he think about how
0: many, like, he um, said, how many people got into certain bands. Like, there are, like, still... So, it's the same thing as like TikTok. Do you know, like TikTok? Mm-hmm. Is like getting people to like Dragon Force. I mentioned that band earlier. I've been a fan of yeah. that band since before they were famous mm-hmm. um, or well known. Do you know how they got well known? For being infamously known as the most difficult song in Guitar Hero.
1: Like, yep, that's where I discovered them. Yep,
0: yeah, I've met like Herman Lee a couple of times. Like, I did like an event with him once and he was talking did, about how, yeah, yeah, everyone knows us from Guitar Hero. Like we owe our career to Guitar Hero because like mm-hmm. people discovered our band like the fuck is this seven minute long song with a four minute long guitar solo in it why is it so difficult and people trying to beat through the fire and flames on expert was a genre on youtube unto itself
1: that band
0: yeah it owes its like you know success like they were a good band like I was aware of before that but that was their big break I think it's similar with tiktok isn't it of how many bands and stuff have had like resurgence from tiktok like metallica getting a resurgence from stranger things
1: yeah, yeah, it and happens. like obviously the most famous one of all time, just the Rick Astley, Rick Astley, the Rick yeah. Roll. Like Rick, Rick Astley Roll. is now like he's recently just been like on stage like doing it with Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. and it's like you know he's at that stage where he's like performing massive festivals and stuff because he's the Rick Roll guy.
0: Yep. And you can like you know Just you can scoff at it all you want, yeah. People scoff yeah. At it all they want, but I'm sure the artists who are benefiting from that, you know, increased visibility and success um, would not agree with you when they look at their bank account.
1: Exactly, and it's it's funny where like you know we live in the world nowadays. Obviously, this is we're talking a little bit of overlap between like maybe what Band Four coming out. I think it was like 2015, mm-hmm. but like and Spotify becoming super prevalent is like. 2023 we're at a point where people like we do not get paid for like any Spotify streams like we they do, but like a pittance on a penny per mm. stream like and per thousand streams or whatever, and it's like, yeah, they, they don't get the money they used to from people listening to their music, but we have an avenue like rock band where every song you just pay a fair price and, and they you people get a, yeah. I, I would presume they get a, a, some kind of cut every sale.
0: It's the only reason that they'd be allowed to, I imagine. It's yeah. the same thing. People, people's idea of the value of certain things is wildly inflated. Or like, you know, wildly um, distinct or different from what it actually is in real life. Because, um, you know, we now live in a consumer's market in regards to entertainment. But mm-hmm. that's why we've got all these strikes, isn't it, of, like, um, companies are able to, like, for years, we've been able to like undersell and underpay artists and creatives because um, there's so much content now,
1: mm-hmm. and people have gotten used to it. So now consumers almost almost expect things for free.
0: Yeah, or I you know, think. they expect to pay like you know a couple of dollars and get access to thousands and thousands of like hours of entertainment. Yeah, the idea like, of playing, like, £2 for one song sounds ridiculous, and so you think, well, that's probably a fair price for the amount of work that went into creating this one individual piece of content, and to compensate everyone involved fair. for that work fairly.
1: More than fair, yeah. Mm. Um, but when in comparison to nowadays, Spotify was say, uh, well, pay a tenner for the entire catalogue of, like, basically all of music of all time.
0: Yeah, except for if it's from
1: Japan. Yeah, and, yeah, like, that, that's the thing. There's obviously a lot of exceptions, but... You compare the amount of stuff that isn't on Spotify to the amount of stuff that is on Spotify. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a significant portion of music.
0: Yeah. And it's a interesting conversation, and it's one that's incredibly nuanced, but no one wants to have that nuanced conversation. Like, no, I want free stuff. I don't want to pay
1: this. You want me there to pay are. one pound something for a song so I can play it an infinite amount of times on my rock band game?
0: How you know, always, dare you? Always reminds me of the great Lee Mack bit about when the price of stamps went up to like 60p or something like that. It's a bit more mm. now, but like you broke it down. Look, like the price of stamps has gone up. And like, you know, so all they really have to do is like, I go and I write a letter and I put it in an envelope and I put it on a, I put, I put a stamp on it and I put it in a letterbox. And the postman picks that up and he puts it in a van and he drives it to a sorting office. And that sorting office. And figures out where it's going to go, and then they put it on a plane. And that plane flies to another location in another sorting office. And that sorting office gets the letter, decides in which part of that con- uh, the country it needs to go. They put it into like, you know, a depot where that depot sorts it further. They give it to a postman. That postman then drives to um uh, like you know the location where the area I've sent the letter to is located. He gets out of his car, he walks for 10 miles, and he puts it through the letter box. And for that they want 60 pence. <laughs> And it's like, yeah. It's like when you break it down like that, it's like, yeah. If you pay, if you individually try to like do this, it will cost a hell of a lot more. Mm-hmm. So it's actually kind of reasonable when you think about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, we could talk about stuff like this for way way longer, Carl. But just you know, remind everyone at home if you are available Friday the twenty fifth of August, twenty twenty three, near Sheffield mm-hmm. or in Sheffield or wherever you are. Or uh, remind about, people yeah. what we're doing.
0: Well, we're playing rock band karaoke at the Meltdown Gaming Bar. If you're about the day before or the day after, check out the Discord link you can find below because, you know, my, mine and Lucas' Discord will be linked below. Are you coming down on Thursday or
1: Friday? No, I'll just be making it down on the Friday.
0: You'll be there on the Friday, but I'll be in Sheffield on the Thursday. So if you do happen to be about, we will be spending like the day before and the day after um, like preparing and like you know cleaning up respectively.
1: So we'll, have, I, yeah, we'll be I'm... in... I may be stuck in Sheffield on the Saturday anyway because a train strikes, so I'll see what happens with that. Get it. That'll and be fun. But just to end on as well, like while we
0: were taking the break, I just saw a shit post that I was put in my fucking ass. And it's music related. <laughs> so just to end on it's like just someone from Twitter here at Screw Loose Eve on Twitter. UK rappers be like, She suck on my Willy, it's quite delightful. If I catch you in West Gloucestershire, you'll catch the rifle. <laughs>
2: I just I don't know why. That's fucking sent me. <laughs> just You'll catch the rifle. Right oh, <laughs> uh, she sucks my willy, it's quite
0: delightful.
1: Oh, oh god, dear. that
0: has sent me. Oh
1: It's great because of how accurate that might actually be. <laughs>
0: If I catch him in West Gloucestershire, you'll get the rifle.
1: Oh, anything else to say, mate, before we close off? Anything else to say is just thank
2: you for joining us once again, and let us know which, which week, week won this week. week.